You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. Abundant grace and mercy and peace are yours today in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Last week I mentioned that I'd like us to think of the theme for October messages, the grace-strengthened life. The grace-strengthened life. And last week we looked at the role of faith in that that, uh, grace-strengthened life. And today we come to that place, that phrase that, that has that very thought in it. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. See our, your epistle reading in your folder. You then, my child, Paul is writing to Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So, the grace-strengthened life. What I'd like us to think about um, what, it, what it looks like, why it's, a cha- why it's challenging, and where it's found. What it looks like, why it's challenging, and where it's found. Before I get into it, I want to handle an objection that you may have. But you probably don't have. You probably haven't thought about that. So it's from 2 Timothy. This is an apostle writing to a young pastor with various words of exhortation and so forth. And you might say, hey, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not a pastor. I can read the lines. But I want us to think about that. Why, why do we dive down deep into a, a letter written by an apostle to a pastor when that may not apply to us? But I want us to think about that. Well, let's think about it. All of us, all of us alike, apostles and pastors and people, whatever, are all called to follow Christ. All of us are accountable to God for what goes on on in our heart and soul. All of us are given the Holy Spirit as God's children. All of us are called to be disciples. And as Martin Luther proclaimed so boldly, the priesthood of all believers, that we all have access to God, we all serve him as brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. Priesthood of all believers. And then we think of a verse like 2 Corinthians 5, 15, addressed to all of us. It says, he died for all, the gospel. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That's addressed to all of us. In other words, we're not to live for ourselves, but as it says, we're to live for Jesus. That's what it says. Live not for ourselves, but for him who who died for us and rose again. So the grace strengthened life. First of all, what does it look like? So what does it mean to live for Jesus or to follow Jesus? So Paul 
gives us clues in verses three through, through seven. And he points us toward three, three examples or three, three teachers. This is, this is to Timothy, but I think we can apply it for ourselves as well. This is what it reads. We heard it a minute ago. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ, Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have his first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So as, as models or, or teachers or people we can get clues from, what is the grace enriched, the grace strengthened life look like? It looks like something like, like a soldier's life. Now how so? Well, think of, think of a soldier. What, what characterizes a soldier? Well, one thing is obedience, right? Why, why do soldiers learn that close order drill? They're not going to use that on the battlefield. Why does the sailor learn that? He's not going to learn to do it on a ship. Why? Because it, 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 it conditions them to respond immediately and precisely to commands. And so uh, a soldier's obedience characterizes him. But it's the same for, for all of us. What does Jesus say in John 14? If you love me, keep my commandments. Same thing. We're called to obedience as God's kids. Well, the second thing is, is sacrifice. The soldier is, uh, gives a vow. He's willing to sacrifice his life. Well, same thing calls for addressed to us. Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. It's your spiritual worship. And then uh, we're reminded also, soldiers are outfitted with armor. We are given the, the full armor of God in Ephesians 6. It's what we have to deal with in our, in our life. So the grace, strength, and life, what it looks like, it looks kind of like, like a soldier's life. And secondly, athlete. And that may seem daunting to us also. <laughs> As I was preparing this, I, I learned that Greek has two words for athlete. I didn't know that before. I'd never preached on this. One is kind of a casual you know, athlete. The other is a professional athlete. Guess which word Paul uses? He uses the professional athlete here. The one fully absorbed in his, in his task. Um, kind of full-time dedication. And one commentary I looked at said, Spare, a spare time Christian is a contradiction in terms. Spare time Christian, contradiction in terms. So an athlete characterized by self-denial. And when we have the, you know, the Olympics, uh, winter, summer, 
the TV runs these little vignettes of the athletes, some of them, you know, everything they've gone through and how they've disciplined themselves for getting to this, to this point. It reminds us of the, of the self-denial. So the easy way for the Christian is attractive to us, but rarely the way that God calls us to. The right thing is usually the hard thing. And then the soldier, athlete, the third is a farmer. So there I was an hour ago in Basin City. Me, the one person in the room who knows the least about farming of anybody in the whole room, holding forth on farming. <laughs> but I just made it very simple. Two W words come to mind when I think of a farmer. Work and wait. Work. Farmers work incredibly hard. But there's a waiting component also. They do their thing and then it's out of their hands. And, and things, they, they wait. They sow seeds and that's a great biblical metaphor. And isn't that what we're called to do, to sow seeds? Maybe a, a comment here, a prayer for someone there, or a note that we write to someone. We're, we're sowing seeds, we're planting seeds, but we leave the results up to God. It's God's work. And a farmer needs to be prepared at any hour to do what's called for. So, so think of these three, three things, soldier, athlete, farmer, there's all a, kind of a, a future focus to each of them. The soldier thinks of the, the final victory of the battle or the campaign or the war. The athlete toward the, the finishing line or the gold medal or whatever, or the one back then, the laurel wreath. And the farmer, farmer's looking toward the, uh, the future the future harvest. There's this future focus. For us, the God's children, we look forward to, to heaven. And all that is seeing our Lord Jesus Christ, being with him. In my, over the, my years of reading literature from the last 20 centuries of Christian writing, prayers, devotions, sermons, things like that, it occurs to me that in the previous 20 centuries, much more focus was given on focus on the eternal life in heaven than is written in literature and sermons in our present day. Very interesting. But there's this future focus to all of these three. There's a struggle we have now. We look forward to joy. And speaking of struggle, brings me to my second point. The grace strengthened life, why it's challenging. It's challenging because we've got opposition. Opposition. And when I name these off, they'll be very familiar to you, but I'll say them anyway. The first is the world. And the world does not mean planet Earth. The world means the environment in which we live. I think of the three letters LGO. 
leaves God out. Focus on priorities of what's, what's important? Self-expression. What's important? Having a good time. What's important? Getting all the gusto you can, an old commercial. But you, you get the idea. That's the environment in which we live. It's what we live and breathe without even realizing it. It affects us. And you know that you've heard the analogy, I'm sure, of the how do you, how do you um, boil a frog? Well, you don't put it in boiling water. You put it in nice, tepid, warm water. And then you crank it up a degree at a time. And frog becomes accustomed to it and ends up boiled. What a terrible illustration. But um, <laughs> some of you are older. You can maybe relate to this. I, I watch very little TV, very little. Maybe on regular kind of TV, 10 minutes a month. <laughs> But what I, little I do see, in sitcoms especially, something like that, I find quite shocking. And I would suggest that for those who are, have some, um, who are chronologically gifted, if I can say it that way, yes. you see things now and hear things that if you'd seen them X number of years ago, you would have been, you would have turned it off. You would have maybe called up the, the station and said, how, why are you allowing this on the, how can you allow this garbage on TV? And, but you don't. How come? You're the frog in the kettle. It's just a gradual thing. It's, it's, it's the environment in which we live. <coughs> The LGO leaves God out. We're being catechized all the time by what, about what is important in life by our world around us through a hundred different ways. The world. But it's the same in Paul's time. Later in this same letter, he writes about Demas. He says, Demas, who was is, used to be in his assistant. Demas is in love with this present world, and he has deserted me. <clears throat> wow. In love with this present world. So the world, the flesh, the flesh is our sin nature. Martin Luther called it a recalcitrant jackass. It always wants to go the wrong way. Always veers off instead of following God's way. It wants us to be very complacent and just just uh, satisfied, you know, how we are, and um, whatever, that, that kind of attitude. We're adept because of our flesh at rationalizing, you know. Um, you wouldn't be excited about Jesus if you were me because of my upbringing or my circumstances we rationalize or you, you or we justify I'm, I'm better than the guy down the street <laughs> we're good at that it's our flesh in action you think what well, God doesn't God doesn't care 
And then, of course, there's the devil, who the Bible calls cunning, cunning. And we see way, way back in the first couple pages of the Bible how he comes to Adam and Eve is very subtle and very attractive and very ingenious, the way he trips them up. And think of all the experience he's had in the intervening centuries. Ephesians 6 calls him, uh, Paul says, we are not unaware of his schemes, his schemes. If you've never read C.S. Lewis's book, Screwtape Letters, you might read that. Del Wisdom, who owns Wisdom Books, was in church this morning, and he said he's got plenty of copies if you want one. <laughs> but it's a senior devil writing to an apprentice devil on a strategy to ensnare a client who's a, a Christian. So the grace, strength, and live, why it's challenging. We have these things going against us. Some kind of self-reflection questions for you to ask yourself. Number one, how is the world environment shaping me? Ask yourself that. How is it shaping my values, my priorities? Secondly, where am I giving in to my flesh, to my sinful nature, to my old nature, my fallen nature, instead of heeding the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Third, where is Satan tripping me up? What attitude I have or what thing I do that get in this situation, that always happens. That he just has, has your number dialed in. How is it Satan tripping you up? Well, let's go in a more positive direction. The grace, strength, and life, what it looks like, why it's challenging. Third, where is it found? It's right there in verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. And even in verse 8, he says, remember Jesus Christ. Cling to Jesus Christ. Hold on to Jesus Christ. Focus on Jesus Christ. Remember him. And then he gives two ways of describing him that are interesting. I'm going to reverse them, but I'll cover both of them. Remember, in, so where's the grace, strength, and life found? It's found in Jesus, the offspring of David. The offspring of David. Isn't that interesting description? Let me come at it this way. It might sound a little crass. Jesus had a belly button. He didn't just drop out of the sky. And we'll talk about that in, in December, of course. Descendant of David. He came, born of the Virgin Mary. He lived in a particular village, surrounded by particular people and particular circumstances. And he's 
of, as we say in Advent, of the house and lineage of David. He was, he lived among us as, as one of us, offspring of David. And so, as Paul says in another place, in the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born under the law. Under the law. To redeem us, we're under the law, that we might receive adoption. Came under the law. And in other places it says he is tempted as we are. Tempted to drive 80 in a 70 mile an hour place? No, not, not, not like that, but in every kind of temptation, any, every kind of temptation, just like us, offspring of David. And so he's our brother. We don't think of him that often, that, that way. But he's also our brother. So where is the grace stirring to the founts? Found in Jesus, offspring of David, but also risen from the dead. Risen from the dead. Now, the, the way Paul says this, it conjures up the idea, not just that at a particular moment way back in history, on a certain Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead. The idea more is Jesus, the risen one, the one who lives and reigns now and forever as the risen one who has conquered death itself. The Apostle John confronts the glorified Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. He says, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he says, and he put his right hand on me and said, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. I love how, so he's victor. He's victor, the risen one who, who now lives to make intercession for us, for you and for me right now. He's the victor over sin. He's the victor over death. He's the victor over devil. I love Martin Luther's explanation of the second article, which uh, to the Apostles' Creed. Remember it. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sin, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness and innocence and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. It's most certainly true. So Jesus is the perfect soldier who always obeyed 
even to the point of death on a cross. The perfect athlete always submitting himself and self-disciplined. The perfect farmer who talked about himself as a seed put in the ground, a kernel of wheat that falls into the ground and dies in order to bear fruit. Did you hear how our epistle reading ended? It's very striking. Paul says, under the inspiration of the Spirit, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we are mindful of the landmines that confront us as we seek to be strengthened by grace. There are forces that push against us. But we thank you that, as Paul says, we can remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, our victor, our victor. Oh, may we cling to Christ, depend on Christ, Walk with Christ day by day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org.